0: well i 'm going to talk to you about how God has been active in my life and in my family's uh, life through this community. Uh, I was supposed to be up here with my wife Tamaki uh, she can't be here because she's feeling sick, uh, but it's a good kind of sick if that's possible uh she she has morning sickness uh, with our we're expecting a, our second uh. so I'm amped about that uh, but i would be I would have been surprised. Uh, When I first moved to Tucson, to hear that I was excited about having a kid, I was single then. I think it was nine years ago, um, and I intended to remain single, not because I liked singleness, uh, but because I just really hated the idea of being married uh, and having kids, which is not a great way to be. It's kind of an ugly way to think and to feel. Um, You know, I came out of a fairly broken family situation and had a lot of my own sin and brokenness uh, in that perspective, but. God was not content to let me live in that perspective. Uh, and one of the ways he began to change it was through this community. Uh, 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven says, You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is its members. And it's through you, my community, uh, that I was led out of the belief that marriage is miserable and kids are nothing but a burden. Uh, You were his hands, feet, and voice in convincing me of that. There was a sermon uh, nine years ago. I think Rod gave the sermon. I'm not sure. It could have been Eric. I'm pretty sure it was Rod. Not that they ever say the same thing. Um, Sometimes they outright contradict each other. But somehow uh, God conveys his truth through them. And Rod and I talked afterwards. (laughs) They're gifted teachers is what I'm saying. Uh, And I I talked with Rod afterwards and uh, came to be convinced that uh, it wasn't good for me to be alone. And not convinced like in my head, but convinced at the gut level. And not coincidentally, shortly after that, uh, God put Tamaki in my life and we started dating. Uh, And suffice it to stay, uh, we were not good at being in relationship. Uh, We just couldn't pull it off. We were terrible. Um, You know, we each brought our own brokenness and baggage uh, to that relationship, Uh, but Keith and Julie Brunson met with us every week while we were dating, Uh, sometimes more than every week when we'd come over uninvited uh, in in crisis, Um, and through their wise uh, counsel and uh, even through watching them love each other, we came to see uh, that Jesus is involved in relationships and in marriages and it's through watching the marriages in this church that we saw that, uh, that married people love each other, which was kind of revolutionary for us from what we had experienced, and that married people pray for each other and that God listens to them. Um, one of my favorite memories uh, of, of being in this community was the day that we got married. Uh, you know, it'd be an understatement to say that most people in the community knew us as being in a troubled relationship before we got married. And let's face it, they knew us as being in a troubled relationship after we got married. But that day, when we were married, uh, people celebrated us, uh, not just that we were getting married, but celebrated the fact that they had seen God do good things in us and restore um, something that was broken. And so... Uh, it's through this community uh, that we've been taught and loved. Um, and, you know, above all, it's, it's the people here who have mourned with us when we mourned and rejoiced with us when we rejoiced. And that's, you know, one of the, one of the really important things that we love about being here. Um, we did go on to have kids, and that's another exciting story uh, that maybe I can tell another time. Uh, but I'll hand it over to Rod.
1: Thank you, Ron. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being here in our midst. Thank you that you are present, that you're not far away, that you're not distant, that you're um, not one who ignores us or who doesn't hear us or doesn't listen or doesn't care that you are the God who's close. Thank you for being close to us tonight in this place. Thank you for this community and for all that it means to us individually and collectively. Thank you for gathering your people. Father, I pray that your voice would be the voice that we would hear tonight, that um, you would speak through me, um, and use uh, the words that I've studied and wish to recall and wish to speak so that your people would hear you speak to them and that um, only your voice would be heard, that whatever is true would go deep into us and whatever is false would just fall away and dissipate into nothingness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are indeed going through, um, the values of the village, and we are talking about community. And one of the fun things about talking about community, um, is, is to do that in community and, and to kind of share a little bit about where God is in in the everydayness of our being together. I love the story of the Israelites, and I love how God forms this community, and I love that they irritate each other, and they don't want to follow their leaders, and they and and they kind of mess up, and and they get angry, and 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 yet somewhere somehow God leads them out of slavery, and. Um, into eventually what he promises, um, but to do that, you go through this whole wilderness experience, and and you're hungry and you're scared, and 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 you have to learn to trust. In Exodus 16, 1 through five, um, the first passage. So all of you guys can, that that are uh, taking notes, you got some. You can look at this. Um, Exodus 16, 1 through 5 it says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat, and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instruction. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on all the other days. And then these words from further on in the passage, Exodus sixteen twenty-seven, starting with verse 27 to 35. It says, Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather manna, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instruction? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That that is why on the sixth day he gave you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so that they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. It's uh, it's interesting because that that people leave slavery in Egypt and all the hideousness of that slavery, and and then they get out there where. Now they really have to trust God. Eric talked last week about how, uh, you know, you're facing the the Red Sea and you got Pharaoh behind you and you really have nowhere to go. And now you just walk into the sea um, and you're going to drown and there's, you know, a million people that are going to die and it's going to be horrible. So you have to trust. And I kind of talked about that trust thing the week before that as well. Trusting, 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 right? In community, the community has to trust. They have to follow their leaders. They have, to, they have to dare to trust God. So what happens when we get fearful and when we get nervous and when we get anxious about what, what's happened in the past is that is that we start um, making the past a lot better than it was. Like we like to say, well... Uh, in the past life was really great um, but now I'm struggling now I'm suffering now now I'm in pain now things are not going well for me and and it's interesting because because it's kind of our our natural condition to to sort of gloss over how great our slavery was how great the past was I, most of you know that I love to tell stories about the past, living on the farm, and I love to tell about how wonderful it all was to live on a farm as a kid. Uh, really, wow! You know, it was not all that great. We had to pump water. We took a bath once a week. We probably stunk to high heaven. I, you know, I, uh, you know, we we ate pretty well because we had a garden, um, but but we uh had to drive this a uh, ride in this stinky smelly school bus uh for like 45 minutes or an hour just to get to school and then another hour to get back every day like i can like make it sound really wonderful and and there's part of me that kind of does that but the reality was it wasn't that great it wasn't anywhere as nice as i like to think it was in my memories and, and so what happens is we overstate our previous condition. We kind of make it like if, um, you know, the Israelites are saying, you know, in, back in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted. Yeah, you were slaves. You were making bricks without straw. You, you didn't have it wasn't the sweet life that you're pretending it was. It was hideous. You go, know, well, yeah, but at least we didn't starve to death, right? So, so, so it wasn't all as great as we like to make it out to be. And and that's kind of when we look back as a community, or when we look back individually, we kind of we kind of see that 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 um, if we're honest, it's not as good as we think it was in the past. As I think. As a community and, and as individuals, we we develop the fine art of grumbling. Uh, we are good at grumbling. I, I love that that like the Israelites are drama queens, right? But you've brought us out here into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. We're all gonna die. It's gonna be horrible. Oh, Woe is us. It's so bad. Little drama queens, right? We're like all drama queens. We're, we're like, we. oh, my life is horrible. Everything bad is happening. You know, I I have to fight to not do that. A few years ago, I had my surgery on my neck, and I felt wonderful and great, and I, I went out and started playing basketball and again, and life was grand and wonderful, and... And, and then I think, you know, boy, it's starting to hurt again. And, and, uh, you know, finally you go to the doctor and it sends send you to the surgeon and the surgeon starts taking MRIs and you get another one. I get another one tomorrow and you, and you kind of go, Oh, it's just so horrible. Oh, my life is over. I just can't go on. This is awful. I pain is just horrible. I'm going to die. You know, people, uh, We we like to be drama queens, uh, and 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 Israel does that. And often we, as a community, we like overstate everything, and and we go against the leaders, and and we go to we go to try to find somebody to blame. It can't be our fault, so so it's got to be somebody else's fault. (coughs) We're great grumblers. And God says, I'm going to rain down bread on you. You're going to have so much bread available. Like you are going to have everything you need. You are not going to die. You're just not. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. Notice that God promises to provide for our needs. He does not promise to provide for your desires, your wants, okay? Just so you know. He provides for your needs. Let me tell you, you don't need all that much. You really don't. You think you do because, well, I live in North American culture. I live in the United States and I got to have, you know, at least a flat-screen TV, and I gotta have um, a car because you can't get around. And and I gotta have a really nice house, you know, comfortable one, and a great one. And and I gotta have furniture, and I gotta have food, and and I gotta have a, a um, um free time. I uh, I've got to have extra money to be to be able to go to the movies now and then. I certainly have a right to that. Uh, And and God says, no, I'm I'm going to take care of your needs, not your wants, not your desires. And here's why. Because God is God, and he's brilliant. And he knows that our needs are definable, and he knows that our wants, our desires, are insatiable. Whatever he gives you, whatever you have, whatever you get, have you noticed you always want more? you have a one-bedroom house, it'd sure be nice to have two. If you have one car for your family of three, sure would be nice to have two. And then you get two, and boy, wouldn't it be great to have three, because we got three drivers now, you know? It'd be great if we could just have three cars. Because, you know, it's just a pain all the time to, to have to arrange your schedule. If, if I just had this... Extra, right? It's not enough that I have food. I, I got to have a certain kind of food. I got to have the food that I like. I, I have to have food that I enjoy. Needs are definable. You have to have food to live. You have to you have to have a shelter of some sort, and and um, you know you have to have, uh, as Eric mentioned, you got to have water to drink. You, there, there's there's some pretty simple things that that you have to have to survive. I, I'm not entitled to great medical care. Now I'm kind of hoping I get it tomorrow, because that would be nice, right? And that would be good if if I got good <laughs> medical care, because I don't really want to die tomorrow, and I don't really want for bad things to happen. So previously they had said, "Rod, we're going to give you, uh, we're going to do the CT scan, and we're going to give you iodine dye." And I informed them that I was highly allergic to iodine dye and that the last time I had had it, I coded and stopped breathing and they had to revive me and I ended up in the emergency room and they were pumping me full of fluids and it was exciting. And, <clears throat> and I almost died. And so you know, I kind of want to bring that out, right? I kind of want to make sure they know that, like, so that they just don't, don't inject the stuff into me. And and particularly they're going to inject it into my spine, so that's like a little weird. And and so, so it's like, eh, you know, so what do I want? Well, I want all kinds of things. But God doesn't promise to take care of all my wants and my desires. He doesn't say I'm entitled to great health care. He doesn't say I'm entitled to anything other than having my needs met. And he promises to provide for our needs, and and he will do that. And he promises that he will take care of the community that's walking out of of, uh, slavery into freedom. He promises that he'll take care of us as a community, Here's the other little thing that I want you to make sure you remember. God gives the community everything that we need. That means some of you have stuff that other people need. That means that you have some needs that other people in the community can meet. God is a God who provides through his people and surrounding his people and around his people. He pours out manna, and everyone had to go collect, but there were people in the house that couldn't go out to collect, and so you collected enough for them so that everybody in your house had, by the way, um, what's the amount, guys, that are filling out the paper? What's the measure? And how much? What was the word? An, om, an Omar, right? An Omar is, guess what? A day supply. It's just enough to get you through the day. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer says that we get, we ask God for what? Our daily bread, right? For enough to get us through the day. So what happens is this community, and I'm gonna read from Exodus 16, kind of some of the verses that were in between. said, when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? Matter of fact, that's, the, what, that, that's what the word manna means. What is it? Like, they really didn't know. They had no clue. I don't know, it's like white flaky stuff. I, um, so you kind of wonder who's the first guy that eats it, right? Like. I'm sorry, like, mm, you know, there's, you know, there's somebody, there's always somebody Go. I wonder what this tastes like, right? And, And it probably was Moses. What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Not as much as he can gather. As much as he needs. Take an omer for each person that you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little, right? Because that's kind of how we are. Ooh, manna, let's get a lot. Right? And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Isn't that frustrating? Like, I wanted to get a lot just in case. And I'm kind of a big guy, so maybe I need like a 1.3 omars, right? And and you short people, I love you, but you don't need. You could share some of your omer cuz you don't need a whole omer. Right? Okay. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, and listen to this wonderful community, sounds like us, right? However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them, right? Those gathering too much had enough, and those gathering too little had just enough. Those who tried to hoard didn't end up with what, more than what they needed. Those who didn't hoard ended up with all that they needed. And those who tried to keep it overnight so that they could have more tomorrow, so that they could build it up for the future, just in case, right? Because I gotta take care of myself. I've got to make sure that my family's provided for. Too bad about the rest of these people. I'm going to get as much as I can and I'm going to keep some overnight. Guess what? Hoarding doesn't work. Hoarding leads to rot. If you have that which the community needs and you don't offer it, it's going to do you no good. It has no value to you. If you have Everything that you need, and you are trying to get more, and you're trying to keep it, and you're trying to take take it in. And in the New Testament, we read about this guy who who builds barns and more barns and more barns to store all his grain. I got to have more. I got to have more. I got to have more. I'm building the barns. I'm going to. And then all of a sudden, he gets the really bad news. Guess what? Tonight, your soul is going to be required of you. You're going to die. Ugh. Rats! I was so close to being really wealthy for my whole retirement and then wow I'm not going to have a retirement <laughs> hoarding leads to rot if you're hanging on to things that belong to the community that the community can, can take in and, and use and have then, then it's not going to end up giving you what you long for it's not going to give you the security that you think it will bring you. I, I love that, that, um, many wealthy people are super anxious about hanging on to their wealth, right? It doesn't give them the peace that they thought it would give them. They're constantly studying the market, making sure that the market doesn't go up or down or, or too much or, to protect their investments we we build you know we all put locks on our houses to make sure our stuff is taken care of that that we that we keep what we have because heaven knows i got to have this i got to have it the, uh, the important lesson and the lesson that i want you to learn as we talk through community and community and more community, I want you to remember that the huge thing is that we can't trust the community. You can't trust me to take care of you. I, I used to sort of have that demand that, that people would have to take care of me. After all, I, I work, I do my job, but, but, but people are going to have to be responsible for me. That, it's not true. God takes care of me. Trusting God is the key. It's not trusting the community. This community will fail you. Wonderful as it is, beautiful as it is, it's going to fail you. (coughs) We put our trust and our hope in God. Manna comes down because God gives it to them. He, He gives the Israelites manna every single day. He gives them manna every single day, and he gives them twice what they need on saturday and that's the one day when they can keep it overnight when i was a kid my mom had all these rules and i've mentioned this to some of you about sabbath keeping and and one of the things that we would do is if she would she would have us we had to like shine our shoes lay our clothes out for Sunday, we had to do all this stuff on Saturday night because Sunday was a sacred day. It was a special day and you couldn't do anything and you couldn't cook. So we wouldn't cook and so you had to have like cold food or in our case, grandma would cook and she didn't have that rule apparently because she had hot meals. But, but, but for a long time we, we had, um, like this sort of this thing where, where this one day a week was, was set aside. It was a special day. Well, it is a special day. It is a special day that is set aside to spend time with God, to take delight in who God is and what he's done and in his amazing provision. It's the one day when the things that we hold over from from the... Like, we, we simply... Every day um, of the week, we work. And this one day, we don't work to get what we what we receive. This one day, it just comes, and it's just there. Every other day, we have to go out and gather, but not on the Sabbath. So when you take Sabbath, remember, it's the day to delight in who God is, to just take pleasure in his provision, to take what he's given us and enjoy it. Israelites had manna for 40 years, 40 years. I love that in this passage, they uh, said, tomorrow is to be the day of rest and a holy Sabbath to the Lord, and in in verse 23 of this passage it says, so bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, you think? Right, I bet you they had recipes for roasted manna, baked manna, boiled manna, um, you know, raw manna, uh, like manna. I don't know how, how many different ways can you cook manna? Shish kebab. Shish kebab manna, sure. I love it. Right, right. Like you, you got so sick of manna after forty years, but you know what? Scripture tells us something really interesting about and interesting about the Israelites. During the whole 40 years, their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. They always ate. They always had water. You don't read of the Israelites dying off because they didn't have water. You don't read of the Israelites dying off because they didn't have food to eat. You didn't read about the Israelites being naked because all their clothes wore out. Forty years their clothes don't wear out. Wow. Amazing. Trusting God. Trusting God to provide all that you need and all that this community needs. The great invitation for... God's people is that we're to remember the story of God's provision. They were to take an omer, uh, or what was it? Something more than that. Sorry. Um, yeah, an omer of manna, and they're supposed to place it in the ark of the covenant. They they place it. They give it to God. They 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 put it. It 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 becomes one of the things that's in the ark of the covenant, and that. And it's just a constant reminder to Israel that God provides. He takes care of his people. He takes care of us when we're sure he won't. When we're terrified about how that will look what that might look like. When we say, I don't want to just have manna every day. I I, I don't want to just survive. I, I want to do really well. I I want to have a great 401k plan. I I want to put away, I I want to drive a nicer car. I I want better stuff. I want more things. I I want all that stuff. And it's not that God won't give you those things. He does. God loves to pour out blessings. And he often does. And he just gives you far more than you can ask or imagine. He just takes delight in giving his kids stuff. But his promise is to provide. (coughs) and we get to tell the stories of god's provision i love that when my father died and we had nothing to eat that we would open our door in the morning and there would be bags of groceries sitting outside our door because there was a community that understood our need and God used them to provide for us, but it was God's provision; it wasn't the community's provision. And there's sometimes we we get reluctant about providing for others. We we get concerned about giving to others because you know what? Now, they don't work as hard as I do. When I go out and work and get my manna, you know, I'm sure there were some Israelites. I, I get, I mean, I work hard. I I got all that manna picked up by nine o'clock. And there are people who drag on all day and then they never get enough. You know, I. I work harder, I deserve more, I'm, I'm special, right? We're to remember that God provides. We're to tell the stories of the provision, tell those stories to each other, tell the stories of how God has provided for you, taken care of you. I love these words, Luke 12, 27 through 34. Consider how the lilies grow, They do not labor or spend. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. The treasure is not stuff. The treasure is not things. The treasure is not where we live. It's not the car we drive. That's not the treasure. The treasure is this community that surrounds you and loves you and rubs up against you and irritates you and takes things that they need from you, and offers you what they have when you're in need, that's the treasure. The treasure is this community. The treasure is the intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the treasure that makes this possible. That's the treasure. The treasure of the gift of life. Real life. A life of trust. A life of hope. Any pushbacks, questions, comments, thoughts? What happens when your heart becomes
0: bitter about God just providing what you need and not what you want?
1: Yeah, that's. That's the tough one, right? Because that's what Israel faces, right? And Moses gets angry with them, right? And I think it is then that you remember the slavery that you've had. I think it is then that you say, you know what, Um, one of the things is most of the time when I hate to be grateful, that's when I have to choose to be grateful. Right? When I'm scared about tomorrow, that's when I have to say on Facebook as I did, I'm grateful for God's providing care for me like to choose to say that and to choose to say it somehow begins to change you but you're right we're we're grumblers that's what we do the nice thing is is jesus forgives grumbling and god's anger doesn't wage war against us god's anger is absorbed in jesus christ and we can hang on to that but yeah it's tough Anyone else? Let's pray. Father, we're grumblers. We don't like that you only take care of our needs. We want more and more and more. We want quail. We want meat. We want good stuff. We We want more. We want to be able to hoard and and take care of ourselves and provide for ourselves. We we don't trust you. It's really hard for us to do that. We're so sure that you won't take care of us. Even when we have ample evidence that not only have you met everyone in this room's needs, because we're all here. We've all eaten. Lots of us have weight problems for crying out loud. You take care of us. You give us everything we need. And you pour out good things on us. Far more than we could imagine. But then we start imagining. And we start thinking. And we look at what other people have. Father, forgive us our sin of greediness of covetousness, our desire to hoard, our desire to take care of ourselves at the expense of others. Teach us your ways. Be gracious to us. When you're angry at us because of our sin, remember Jesus' blood poured out for us. Remember his body broken for us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your provision. In Jesus' name, amen.